Hello, everybody. This is Jeremiah Craig coming at you for another episode of Ask the Bootmaker. Today, we have Bill and Vicky here from Alabama. Bill's boots and Vicky, Vicky's bags, excuse me. So let's get them in here and kick this conversation off. I'm so pumped to have you here. Hey, Bill, how's it going? Great to see you today. Yeah, it's great to see you too. And thank you very much for all your kindness. I appreciate you taking the time. Hey, Vicki, how's it going? It's going good. It's a beautiful day down here. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's beautiful up here too in Boston, Massachusetts. It's like the first day that we've even hit the 60s. I'm sure you guys down there have been used to it for a while. What What is, what's the temperature down there? If you don't mind me asking. Low 70s. <sighs> nice. I'm, I'm 70s. jealous. I am jealous. <laughs> so Bill and Vicki, you guys been making boots for around 40, 41 years down there in Alabama. And you first got into it by helping those people out who need uh, orthopedic boots, custom boots for people who need them most. And I wanna kick things off with a question of how did you get into custom boot making with the focus on helping those with severe orthopedic needs? Originally, originally we just made uh, cowboy boots uh, from Major, and I had a customer that came in for cowboy boots that had a polio deformity, and we had to uh, do some build up inside the boot to accommodate his feet feet or foot and the orthopedic side grew from there. Uh, remember that prior to that I was already in the repair business, uh, boot making, saddle making, uh, shoe repair. We had three shoe repair shops at one time so it, I had knowledge and then I went to Oklahoma State Technical College for two years to study saddle making and wind up being a boot maker. Wow. So that's what you did before you started making boots is the saddle work, the repair work. Was there anything else that you did before you got into the leather working boot making world? Yes. I was the horseshoe for many years on the horse racetrack. My legs and back gave out and I had to find a new profession. And I actually had a farm livestock feed store in, in the town here. And in the, uh, in the dead time during the day, I would make belts for people. So that backs my history up a little bit. So I went from shoeing horses to shoeing people. Nice. I love it. It sounds like no matter what you're doing, you're hustling 100% between uh, shoeing horses and then making belts in your free time and then running three different uh, repair sh shoe repair shops and saddle uh, making shops and now you are making boots but not only that you actually work on a ranch like you have a ranch too correct yes we yes we do we have we call them pure farms okay yep but we have a ranch where we raise cattle horses and hay and for the last four months we've been doing storm cleanup from hurricane sally and we've only had the shop reopened for two weeks. This will be the third week. Wow. Wow. It must have been nasty. I hope everybody in your family was okay after the hurricane. 
Yes, everybody was safe. We just had quite a lot of damage. I imagine if it's been four months. Didn't you tell me when we were talking last week that uh, there was something like a mile and a half of fence that you had to repair? Amazing memory, yes. (laughs) Wow. So when you're doing all of this work on your farm, are you working in boots that you made or... Are you wearing something else that you feel like you can beat around a little bit more? Most of the time I'm wearing boots or shoes that I made. I wear a lot of high top lace-up shoes that I make. Today I have a pair of store-bought shoes on because we've been on a barn roof all morning and the other boots tend to get a little slippery. Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) You got to be careful up there, even with the shingles. Uh, yeah, that's the worst. And plus, sometimes when you're doing shingles on on roofs, or maybe when you're doing it on a metal roof, it that's really slippery. Yeah. But when you're on shingles, like you got to worry about the tar and everything too. And I'm sure you don't want get all the tar on your own uh, boots that you made. <laughs> it, it, it's okay. We clean them up, and they're made to wear. And I accused my wife of wearing a pair of $2,500 ostrich boots and she kicks cow poop with them. <laughs> That's a nice place to be if you can if you can do that for sure. I love it. Wow. So I just want to remind everybody watching right now that if you have any questions for Bill and Vicky, please put them in the live chat. We got a bunch of folks watching right now, so I will try to get to your questions if you have any Um, Like I said, you can put them in the live chat and I'll try to get to them. Now, Bill, are there any special techniques that you've developed over the years to help you create the best fit for those folks who may have foot deformities or need special uh, support with orthopedic needs? Yes. Uh, First of all, I was blessed with a talent to be able to see within and I thought everybody had this same talent and it took me many years to figure out that it was a blessing, it was a gift that I could see within. So we casted with a plaster uh, cast each individual foot. When we got the cast off, we poured it with a liquid to rigid foam so we would have a rigid mold to work from. I also took measurements and I, Bobby Booth and Nocona Texas taught me many years ago how to shell. Shelling means that you take the last of the foot mold and you, you saran wrap. I'm cheap. I use plastic grocery bags uh, to wrap the last in and you take it in every direction with masking tape. You draw what shoe boot that you want onto the masking tape or shelling. You cut it away and then you make static patterns from there by adding or taking away. Some places you got to add margins. Some places you got to take away margins. So that uh, being able to see within and have an idea what I wanted something to look at, look like that would work, be functional, came from the ability to be able to see within. Wow. So yeah, I still have that ability up here, but it don't come out no more. 
only only when you are uh, absolutely needing it, huh? I remember you saying last week that uh, after four months of cleaning up the farm and repairing the work from the hurricane, you're just starting to get back into boot making in the shop and things are starting to come back to you like riding a bike. Yes, almost not quite that easy, okay? (laughs) I've also, in the orthopedic side, was able to invent and make some things that uh, I I have one customer for 35 years that we did a multitude of things to keep him walking, and we were constantly changing. About every six weeks, I was making some change to accommodate him. And so it's a never-ending process. Yeah, I can imagine. So your process of taking a mold of your customer's foot with the uh, the plastic and and the, the that whole process is that the way that you make boots, or do you also just take the measurements and build the last from that as well? No, no, you know, the normal people, yes. Okay. We take measurements, take drawings, and we take a pedograph, and we take the last that we've already got, a store, you know, a, a factory last, and we take and build it up to the measurements uh, that we need uh, with leather buildup or blisters, uh, other forms of buildup. We take that to our measurements. If you visit with 10 bootmakers today, all 10 of us is gonna measure different ways, okay? So if I taught you my technique to measure and you went somewhere else, you're gonna be thinking, hey, after 41 years, I have had to come back to my first learning how to measure because that's what works for me, okay? Mm-hmm. And um, it's amazing how everybody's got a different technique. Yeah, I love talking to bootmakers about their techniques and hearing how different it is, but they have so many happy customers, even though their process is is different. Uh, it's very interesting to me. I'm wondering now, actually, I got a question here from Leon, uh, Leon in the live chat, and he asks, what are your favorite toe shape types to make while you're making custom boots? I like the J toe, it's a Justin toe. Uh, it's a standard medium round toe. Uh, I like more rounded toes, uh, pretty round, okay? I never have liked the square toe, but I'm a, becoming more accustomed to the square toe. And the reason behind it is not just cosmetic, it's to give the forefoot a little bit more room in the toe area. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe over the past years, I was maybe a little short in the toes and I've had to lengthen my last a little bit uh, to give more toe room. Uh, my wife being a good example of that, wore my boots for years and always had, <coughs> excuse me, always had a great toe that hurt. And so now her, her boots are, are pretty round to accommodate uh, her deformity in her great toe. And we finally nailed her. So yes, it, 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 my favorite toe is still the J toe of medium round. 
Mm-hmm. I like the Jay Toe in the medium round as well. Two of yeah. my all-time favorites. They're just so classic and look great. And I know what you mean with the square toe. It's not my favorite look, but they do offer a little bit more room for the toes, which is it's, it's nice depending on what you're doing, for sure. Thank you for the question, Leon. Now, have you ever entered any of your boots into competitions or anything? I know there are several custom boot makers who like to uh, put their boots into competitions and stuff. Uh, have you ever found any success in that area? Yes, uh, we've entered the um, Wichita Falls Saddle and, and Boot Making Roundup for several years. Uh, always got beat and I always wondered why I got beat and I tried to figure it out. In 2013, my wife Vicki uh, had a pair of boots that she won the journeyman boot making contest with. 2019, I won the intermediate dress boot con competition, which is the kindergarten class, okay? So I'm ready to move out of kindergarten class and move up a level in the dress boot competition. And I had a really nice pair of boots last year that I really thought I should have won with, but I didn't. And I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back this year, back to the same class with a different pair of boots and see maybe I don't know what they're looking for. And if anybody's out there can give me some direction uh, that's on the air that what they might think might work. I have open for suggestions because I don't have any leather or anything selected at this time. Fingers so crossed for you. From South Alabama, and you go to Texas and you compete against Oklahoma, Texas, Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, and the, some of the best bootmakers in the United States are there, okay, with their work. And you, you can go beat them. Uh, I think that's a pretty good start. No doubt. You you mentioned I'm also a little I'm also a little bragging too, please. <laughs> you got to. You have to. <laughs> you mentioned that you're not sure what what you needed to do to your boots in order to win. Do you have like any ideas at all? I I know you just pretty much asked everybody watching right now if if they had any hints for you, but do you have any clue into why maybe your boots didn't win over some other boots? Yes, the boots did not have any color. They, they were burgundy ostrich fountain counter. We had a burgundy brown top. I did an ostrich overlay collar. I did some other overlay. So, and it's all the same color. It, all the same color, no color top stitching. Now I see that the boot was dead. Ah. It was a beautiful boot. Absolutely beautiful boot. It sounds but it. It was dead. It, it, didn't, it didn't bite anybody. When they, the judges walked by, they didn't see it because it was dead. No color. So the boots but that you're working see, on? My, my, my thing of a dress boot, I think of people, and and it's supposed to be for war slacks or or suits or tuxedos. That they're to me, they always have a really dressed, classy pair of boots to shoes on, well polished, 
all the same color. And that was my thought that this time, my thought pattern has changed. And that's the boots that you're working on now for the competition is a real colorful, bright, uh, lots of life in it. Oh, uh, maybe not that quite that much because I haven't got started on them yet. I just, I'm running it through my brain and I'm trying to listen to what other people are telling me and to see if I can't address it and put a little color into it. Uh, at least the judges bite them when they walk by. Love it. I can't wait to hey, see. You wouldn't, believe, you wouldn't believe what's outside my window. What do you got? <laughs> my dog. <laughs> Yeah, just looking in. Yeah, we 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 locked it. We closed the door so she couldn't get in here. So she went out back and come around to the window. <laughs> What's your dog's name? My dog's name is Chloe. Chloe is Chloe usually a shop dog? She usually yeah. uh, in there with you while you're making boots. Yes, I have two dogs, and then both both of them are normally with me. They're my guard dogs one of them will bite you and yep. so we have a doggy gate up and the, one of the reasons why we live on a, or my shop is on a major four-lane highway that goes from i-10 to gulf shores alabama 22 plus thousand cars a day we started getting thugs you know i'm talking about real thugs in in the shops and wanting money and same old story and so now I have a dog that says, if you come over that doggy gate, I will bite you. And, but when I got customers, they're put up, they're, yep. they're put in kennels. So they're not just running free all the time. Yep. I think that's great. You gotta have a, if you're gonna have a dog, you might as well have a dog that's, uh, that's willing to protect the property and yes. yourself. I got a dog just like that too. And whenever she's the same with people, um, the other day, a dog came up that was off leash, came up right to her. And it wasn't, it wasn't going to end well for the other dog. And I told, <laughs> I told the other owner that. So uh, I don't have any problem with dogs that are, uh, that are there to protect at all. So that's good to hear that, uh, that you have a dog like that as well especially for the shop i just got a question through from enrique here in the live chat uh wondering about how durable bullhide is he's heard some things about bullhide maybe not being as durable as it lives up to what is your experience with bullhide and is it durable <laughs> is this a pair of bullhide well, right here that vicky's got yeah these boats are 10 years old been resold three times Never did any care, and I'm a fan. I'm a fan of bullhide. We make here. We make quite a number of bullhide boots in several different colors. But I, I am a, I'm a fan of bullhide. It's very tough, very durable, and it can be cleaned up and polished to be very presentable. Nice. Yeah, I, I love bullhide every too. Every day. I wear them every day. Uh, been riding horses this morning. Um, yeah, there's a yellow bullhide, mine or brown bullhide. Beautiful. Is that a sh is that a shrunken bullhide? Leather? Do what? Shrunken? shrunken shoulder? Yes, yes, yes. That's what I use. Nice. Shrunken shoulder bullhide, and, and um, have used it for years. 
Nice. My favorite boot last year was a shrunken shoulder. It's it's a factory boot. These these Nikonas up here, um, but I love Bullhide as well. It's uh, it, it's it's just so durable. It feels so great too. Love it. Thank you for the question, Enrique. Is that your favorite leather to use, or are there some more uh, exotic leathers that you enjoy using more than Bullhide when making boots? My favorite exotic leather is ostrich. Oh, the probably the last, the last five pair of boots that, that uh, four of the last five pair of boots I've made have been ostrich. And my next favorite is elephant. We we're you know we made quite a number of elephant boots. No doubt. If ostrich has a tendency. Uh, it lasts, it's tough, very durable, uh, but it's very, very, very hard for me to crimp. It always, it almost always have a wrinkle in the third area of when I'm crimping. And I don't know if you know what crimping is, but you, you wet the bump or the foot part of leather and put it over a board and let it dry and it takes the shape or memory. And it, I always wind up with a wrinkle in the throat area of it, and I work hard to get it out, and I haven't figured out a way to get it out yet. For everybody watching, uh, what is crimping for? Like, why do you have to do that when you make a pair of boots? You, you crimping sets the, the, the bump up to match the last. So when you set it to the top, you trim your tongue, you set it to the top, it sets, it sets up and stares you in the face, and it's easier to sew. In the factories, they do that flat. They start on a corner, start sewing, lay it with their hand, and they come out the other side. But then it goes to the steam room, and in the steam room, it gets minimum crimped, okay? But we wet, we wet crimp, and it, it is... Um, I, I tried it flat, don't work for me. I don't think I can make boots without crimping. And the fit, wind up when you start last and the fit to the last is usually a lot better. I hear on those factory boots that don't use crimping, they break in a little bit more sloppy. Is that true? Yes, because the stretch hasn't been taken out of them. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Um, Jake Leg asks here in the live chat, speaking of lasts, uh, oh, actually, we actually already answered this question. <laughs> he asks if you ever cast feet to make a mold for a true last, and you do, right? That's what you mentioned earlier on in the live stream. Yes, yes. deformities. With deformities. Only um, with deformities. Yes. If no deformities, I do not cast. I I have, I understand this question, um, and I have tried to take like off the shelf last, cast them, pour them, and make a last from it. And maybe I didn't have but one size of that last, and it was already blistered and been used up. And I'm trying to duplicate it. Never worked for me. Interesting. Uh, very cool that you can use those techniques on the uh the the tough cases on those folks who do have deformities and need that work done uh 
with let's let's switch switch it up here a little bit uh and pivot to you being in south alabama and maybe being a little bit further away from some other custom boot makers like in texas or oklahoma do you ever get to visit with other boot makers and what happens during those visits a rare very rare occasion the nearest bootmaker to me is five to 600 miles away. I, I don't have, no one else in the area makes boots. I'm it. Um, I, I Which have, have made, um, you know, friends with several other bootmakers in other areas, Lisa Sorrell, uh, Lee Miller, James Letty, when he was alive. Uh, and I've always asked questions and I've gotten answers. Um, the, the man that runs the boot making contest, and I just had a lot of memory of his name, um, lives at Bowie, Texas. Mike Vaughn, uh, I had had a problem for years with making my vamping counterpoints mate, and Mike Vaughn showed me a technique, and I, I, I tried it, it works, it works for me. Every, now my bound and counterpoints almost match precisely and that's always been a critique of mine and I tear boots apart and re-side re them to try to get my bound and counterpoints to make and so I don't have a I don't have men I don't have a mentor I read books I look at videos uh, I take what other people are doing and the to what I'm doing and like I said earlier I'm now back to making boots the way that I did 30 years ago because it actually works better for me. You know, there's a secret to everybody's technique. They tell you the technique and do this and do that and this to wind up better, but they don't tell you what the trick or secret is, what you got to cut different over here to make match over here. And so uh, I just went back to my own, my own ways. Love it. And, uh, Lee Miller, Lee Miller uh, graduated from Oklahoma State too. He may not want to tell you that, but he did. He was in a class before me, and um, he he actually been to my shop, spent a couple of days with me, and he said, "Bill, there's not anything wrong with your boots. Your boots are excellent, not finished. You need to finish your boots." So now I. I overfinish, and if I don't put them away, get them out of my sight, I will really overfinish them to like, the point of screwing them up. Like shine and, them up or something like that? Yeah, shining and the edge trim and, you know, the heel just being having a glass look to it when you get done. Mm -hmm. um, I think, my opinion, Lee Miller makes one of the neatest, cleanest, finished boots there is on the market, okay? I think Lisa Sorrell is the most artistic of any of the boot makers out there today. And I think Mike Vaughn makes the most durable working cowboy boot out there today. And, top three. You know, there's other people as equally as good and may be offended from what I'm saying, but those other people have not tried to help me. <laughs> I don't think anybody can be offended by those three. I, I think everybody would be, be not in their head who's listening to you for sure. <laughs>
So and, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm never going to make boots like Lisa Sorrell. Okay, I'm not an artist. I try to make boots in between what I think Lee Miller and Mike Vaughn. I, I, I try to take a little bit of both of those and put them into my my boots. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 that's my opinion. And I know I do not have any mentors in any help. You did spend some time with Lisa Sorrell, though, if I remember us talking last week. How did that go? How did that visit go? <laughs> I had two days to spend with her, okay? Uh, Vicky, my wife, was in Oklahoma City at a barrel race, and, and I had two days to go visit and set them up with Lisa. The first day we got there and kind of introduced ourselves to each other and I'll watch what she was doing and we chit-chatted back and forth. And so she said, um, Bill, what is it that you want to learn tomorrow? And I said, Lisa, I'd love to learn how to pinch roses. I, I don't know how and I've always wanted to be able to pinch roses. So she said, okay, tomorrow we'll, we, we'll pinch roses. So that day, the first day at noontime, we went to the barbecue place uh, in town to eat lunch and so the next morning I woke up pretty early excited about getting to go to Lisa's and I had the diarrhea so bad that I couldn't I thought I was going to have to go to the hospital and get a shot for dehydration and so about 11 o'clock Lisa called me and said Bill where are you and I said Lisa I'm on the commode and I'm not coming today and so if you ever go to Lisa's, don't let her take you to the barbecue place. I hope she's on there and heard that, okay? <laughs> Did you ever get to pinch, learn how to pinch roses? No. Oh, no. <laughs> my, my, um, I couldn't go anywhere. <laughs> my wife has pinched some. And she tried to teach me how to pinch them from what she, uh, we got a book about Lisa and we look at the book and look at different things. And so Vicky has gotten pretty good with it. And everybody's pinch roses are different. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that story. It's a, such a good one. Speaking of uh, learning from other folks, I got a question from LZ here in the chat. Do you teach others how to make boots or do you have apprentices yes i do i do occasionally take someone in and teach and i enjoy teaching very much um it's it's like you've got to cram so much into a short period of time i had a young man out of georgia last year but he owned a repair shop so he had knowledge and he came to me and stayed a week and a half, two weeks with me, and we we got him through one set of uppers. We did not get him lasted in, uh, but we got him through one set of uppers, and he had his last, and he went home back to his shop in Georgia, and he, he lasted the boots and finished them, and then came back to see me later, and he really did a nice job. So yes, I do take, I do take people in, and they have to understand that we'll work from whenever to whenever to get something accomplished. Sometimes I have to be out of here to go check about something on the farm. So there are periods of time I might be gone for a couple hours. 
are you looking for any apprentices right now or would you take any um, new apprentices as long as they knew the basics? I, I would, uh, yes. The difference maybe in an apprentice and a student, um, I think apprentice might come in and maybe expect some compensation for them helping you do something, okay? I would not do that, mm -hmm. but I would take a student in. So uh, everything is so costly that if I'm letting them apprentice say, okay, you can do this. And then I go back and it's, it's totally messed up when then not only do I have to pay the apprentice, I got to pay for the mess up. This, this mess up over here. And so if you got a student, I try to dedicate my time to them and their first pair of boots are going to be for them, okay? And we 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 try and we charge, but it's a nominal thing. We try to get our cost material that they use back, or, mm -hmm. so it doesn't cost me anything but my time. And uh, so I think that's fair. Yeah, that does sound fair. Um, with your boot making business you also do custom bags vicky you make the custom bags have you ever made a pair of boots and a bag that matches for a customer like done uh, a custom sort of joint venture for somebody yes yes we have uh take the same leather that usually the tops are out of and put either an overlay or designs on it to match the um, boots. Yes, I have. Wow. How often does that happen? Does that happen quite frequently or just every no, time? No, most of his customers are men. <laughs> and so they, they get a little wallet from him or a belt to go with it. Uh, some of the ladies that I, uh, probably about four, I've done about four. Other than that, my custom bags are just whatever people see they want. And they ask me, can I make it? And I look at it and say yes or no, and I make the bag. And do you use a lot of the same leather that, that Bill gets for the boots if you're not doing a matching bag? Uh, do, you, do you sort of show that to customers or do they usually come to you and say, this is the kind of the bag that I want. Can you get the leather and make it? Yeah, that, it's usually that. Usually they say, this is what I want. I want brown, I want black, I want green, I want purple, whatever. Uh, and yeah, and then I get the leather to make it. If it's not a custom bag, if I'm just making bags and I use um, bag leathers, uh, overruns that from a certain place you can get um, several different hides of uh, overrun leathers from Coach Factory or wherever that they sold off to somebody to resell. Um, other than that, yeah, I can use on occasion his. Mine, a lot of mine are cowhide, mm -hmm. hair on cowhides. Nice. Um, the one of the ones that shows a picture in the um, Facebook page is uh, a dark cowhide with red bullhide straps on it and a brooch. Uh, pinned onto the front for decoration. That's basically one of my favorite ones. My friend that I made that for wanted red alligator on it. And so we researched the red alligator and to just make the straps alone, it was going to cost $500 for the alligator. 
Wow. So she said bullhead (laughs) (laughs) because it was just really astronomical to get enough to make that strap. Uh, You wouldn't think that it would be that much. Even if you piecemealed it, it was still ridiculous. So Wow. Yeah, and that bull hide does have a nice grain. It's not as nice as the alligator, but uh, I'm sure she was still really happy with what you made her. It was a real pretty red, shiny uh, bull hide, so it, it did. It had the nice grain in it, and it really stood out. Love it. Now, over the past 40 years, and maybe even more than that, of making bags and boots, what has this custom venture that you guys have embarked upon what has it taught you about life in general? Do you have any just general wisdom that you've learned from your custom uh, boot making, bag making careers and applied it to just life in general? Maybe you're talking to your uh, son-in-law or something like that and saying, this is something that I have to deal with in the shop, but it works in your case, uh, working, I don't know, in telecommunications or something like that. Do you have any good carryover advice? Patience, patience, patience. Uh, been very limited with patience most of my life. I've learned to just be patient, patient, patient. And um, I, I, I have to tell people, and I had a customer last year that he and I got into this, just this discussion was, I'm kind because I want to be, and it comes from my heart, okay? But there's a line right here, and if you cross over this line, the other person's coming out of my body, and it's not nice. Now, if you back over that line and leave me alone, you're going to get more than what you ask for, but don't cross the line. And so patience, I, I was patient with him to the point of don't cross the line. And, and he realized what I was telling him. And uh, he, 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 his thoughts were that he had bought me when he ordered boots, he thought he had bought me. And um, I, I, I'm not Bible. Mm-hmm. So patience is the best wisdom and the reward, the reward is not only just in the custom boots when you, you fit and function. If you don't have fit and function, you don't have anything. So when you got a customer and they slide the boots on and they tears in their eyes and they're, they're walking and they're very pleased and happy, that's really good. But when you take an orthopedic person that's been laid up for months, can't work uh, due to injury, and you can do something for them, anything for them, so they can start putting their life back together. The reward is unbelievable. Wow. Yes, I love it. And to help somebody in that regard, where you are allowing, you're helping them actually live a full and complete life just from the boots that you make and uh, making them so well that they do have tears come to their eyes. It must just be an incredibly moving experience to make that much of a difference in somebody's life. Yes. And you, you know, it, it doesn't matter what you do or don't do for someone 
uh, it's never going to be better. But the person that really wants to get better and motivated and move forward with their life, anything you can do for them to make their life easier, it's a blessing. To help somebody help themselves. Yes. Yes. Love Amen. it. Amen. <laughs> Love it. That is so great. Oh, I'm, 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 uh, I think it's incredible what you're doing. I, uh, I'm just blown away by it. Speaking of which, is this what you are most proud of when making boots? Uh, I mean, you must have so much to be proud of there with your farm, helping out folks who need cowboy boots the most uh, or just need some sort of special fit. What are you most proud of uh, in the boots or the bags? Or let's just change it up and, and I'm gonna ask you what what pair of boots are you most proud of out of all of them that you've ever made? And Vicki, I want to ask you the same question about the most, the bag that you're most proud of. Me, me is the last pair I made. I'm most proud of the last pair I made. And because I try to get better on every pair. All right. Um, I guess the bag I'm the most proud of that, well, there's actually two. The red bull hide bag I was talking about, I think that is the a beautiful classy bag and I'm very proud of that I made it. The other one is a lady came to me with trifold bag, small, maybe a little bit bigger than a cell phone, but it was trifolded over and it had zippers in it. And I hate zippers. Now on a new bag, Zippers are okay because you have the bag out flat and you can put the zipper in a whole lot easier. But the bag really turned out really, really nice. And I was proud of the fact that I made that bag and it turned out nice. So that's my two bags that I'm the most proud of. I love it. And you know, Jeremiah, um, I have a granddaughter that's 10 years old and, um, I had made her mom a pair of boots that were too small for her. And these boots were four sizes too big for her. Granddaughter. She, she, my granddaughter was four sizes too big for her. She was not going to take those boots off, okay? That's it. I'm wearing them. My papa made these boots and I don't care if they're too big. Well, I made her a pair of boots and I made them a couple of sizes too big because and I put an insert in them so they would fit her now. And as she grows, she can take the insert out and, and the boots fit. So last year she was here and, and uh, she said, Papa, are, are you? she lives in Oklahoma. And she was here visiting. She said, Papa, are you going to, are, are you going to take these boots to the contest? And I said, no, Danny, I don't think so, babe. I, I really don't think they have the quality that I can win with at the contest. And she said, no, Papa, you don't understand. You're taking these boots to the contest. If we win, great. If we don't, great. But you're going to the contest with them. So I, I took the boots and entered them in the contest. And I, I, I got beat legitimately and, and with the boots. But this is a proud young one. So that may be my proudest boots I ever made. That's and I'm a good trying story. at this point. I'm trying to get at this point is to get all my family, my family, I'm not talking about extended family, 
my my grandchildren and my daughters and son-in-laws and daughter-in-laws all boots because my time my time is going down okay not up and I, i've got a really bad hand and i i you know i'm not going to make the number of boots that i did in the past because i i, I can't i physically can't anymore but i'm going to continue to make boots until I can't. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm trying to get my family members with something that you can uh, put on the shelf and say, hey, look at old fool made these for me. <laughs> and it's going to be so special for years to come. And they're going to pass it down to their kids and their kids after that. So that's just legacy right there. And it's going to be awesome. That's a great idea. And, you know, my children grew up in this business. And uh, my daughter didn't want anything to do with it, and my son worked with me for years. And one day he came in and said, "Daddy, I hate this. I'm never going to do it again. I don't want to do it anymore." I said, "You know, this is real good. It's better now than later." Mm-hmm. And he he went and done construction work for a few years, and um, I, I had a friend that. I had done a lot of work for an orthopedic industry and he needed he needed help. So he calls me and said, Bill, would you be interested in coming to work for me full time? I said, no, Doug, but, but my son might. And I said, but I'm I'm out of this. You here's my son's number. You call him, seven point friend, you you bring him in and see. Uh, so he he but I said, Doug, no influence from me now. It's between you and my son. So my son went and interviewed for the job, got the job because my son could do just about anything they were doing. And uh, he, he eventually, uh, to work in the orthopedic industry, you have to be certified. That's medical law. And uh, so eventually my son got certified as an orthodist prosthetist. And now he owns his own company in Ada, Oklahoma. It's called Action Lemon Brace. And, and so I say now, I thought you hated this. <laughs> well, I'm never coming back to it. So, oh, he ended up there. I don't, I don't mean to be taken away from the program, but you want, you, know, you wanted me to talk, I'll talk. Yeah, I love it. So you also have a certification in this orthopedic uh the med- medical necessity right you are also certified yes I, I am a certified board certified pet orthodist i am licensed orthodist in the state of alabama i when the state licensure came in effect i had no formal education in orthotics okay orthotics mean braces for the limbs okay i had no form i had no formal education and so uh, I had several people or companies that I had done a lot of work for over the years that knew what I could do. And they went before the board, the state board, and said, he, he needs to be grandfathered in. And so I'm the, I'm the first person on the licensure board for the state of Alabama in orthotics uh, 
and I got grandfathered then and, and because I could do the work. I, I had no formal education, but I could do the work. So I, I retired both my license and my certification. So if I ever came a point in my time where that I wanted to open orthopedic shop again, that I could go back and bring my license and certification out of retirement. I thought with my hands too. I know you can't see them, but they're going everywhere. <laughs> I think that's fine. I got no problem with that at all. Uh, I love it. Thank you so much uh, for explaining that. And it's going to be super valuable for folks to know that as well. If they need some special orthopedic attention to their custom cowboy boots. How do you get the word out? I got a question from LZ in the live chat here. Uh, what methods of marketing do you use to let people know that you make custom cowboy boots and bags? Word of mouth. We've, we've never done any, any advertisement uh, with you. This is a rarity, okay? Many, many, many years ago, our, one of our local television stations uh, happened to be in the area and saw my sign and came in the business and they said, we, we'd like to do an interview with you. So they came and spent a half a day with me. Following the process, interviewing me, filming, blah, blah, blah. So a couple of weeks later, they called me and told me they were going to air it. Now, remember, they spent about four hours with me. Mm -hmm. And they do a 20-minute segment. And I promise you, I promise you, my phone never stopped ringing. And I said, no, no more. And local things here, they've done articles in the newspaper on me. And... Every time this happens, the business escalates. I can't, I can't handle the business escalating. So they are telling that there are free things out there that you can get involved in that will promote your business more than you could ever think about being promoted. And, and uh, so now I, 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 could have, I could have a line of cars down my driveway waiting to be measured for boots if I if I wanted to by doing local media. There's local magazines that's looking for articles to do. And, and I don't know about television stations anymore, but that was one of the greatest marketing tools that I ever had that I had nothing to do with. <laughs> so word of mouth, do quality, do quality, be honest. Mm -hmm. And if it's not right, fix it. It'll get you more business than you can handle. I love it. Well, hopefully you get some good calls from this interview here with me, uh, but only if you can handle it all. I did have a question from Brian in the live chat who is in Alabama. He lives uh lives down there and he is wondering how he can get a hold of you to get measured and get a pair of boots from you how how does somebody go about ordering 251-979-3370 we work by appointment only 
and we will work around your schedule. If you, you know, if you work too and can't get here, we will meet, see you at night. The, the phone will be answered by my wife, Vicki, because I don't hear, and she will schedule an appointment around your schedule. And you need about two hours when you come to be measured, select letter, uh, it takes just a couple hours, okay? So you have to have a couple hours free time. The other reason we do appointments is when, if the door's open, the gates are open, this is sure right. If I'm measuring a person, I'm gonna have four people to come in and they're going to start asking questions and it takes my concentration. You've dedicated your time to this. I've dedicated my time to this. So this should be mine and your time. I do not pick colors. Vicki does all the color picking because I don't, I don't, I don't, hey, browns is browns and tans is tans and greens is greens. And if you get away from that, I'm done. Uh, so if this is the case, and what part of Alabama, Brian, are you from? Brian, why don't you put in the live chat where you're from, and everybody, uh, I will put the contact information for Bill and Vicky in the description of this video after the fact so that you can easily call them and set up an appointment. Uh, and remember, you need at least two hours to spend with Bill so that he can get all the right measurements. Uh, Bill, thank you so much. And Vicki, thank you so much for taking this time today with me. Um, while we're waiting for Brian's answer uh, to come through with the live chat, is there anything that, uh, that you want to end things off with here uh, that I maybe forgot to ask that you would like to bring clarity to or just sort of uh, parting words of wisdom? Parting words of wisdom. Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Dun, dun, dun. Was a friend of mine. <laughs> and, uh, I, I thank you so kindly. I don't know how you ever heard about us rednecks down here, but thank you so kindly for having us on your program. I, 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 I hope that I have been fit for your program. And, and uh, thank you so very kindly. Uh, do this again sometime. Yes, totally. Thank you. More than fit. You You've been ever, awesome. If you're, if you're ever in South Alabama, we're, you know, 22 miles as far south as you can go in Alabama, you run off into the Gulf of Mexico. And my, my, my facility is right on the way to, go to the Gulf. Uh, if you're ever in the area, uh, I, I would cherish to visit. I would love I to visit. I hope your music continues to go well for you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Brian is from Huntsville. Huntsville. He's north of us quite a little bit. He's right up on the Tennessee line in, in almost due north of here. All right. Worth a day trip down there to you, though, I imagine. Yes, and go to the guy from watch the bikinis. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. Uh, you guys have been great. Vicki, thank you so much as well for setting this up. Uh, thank you. Like, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending this time with me and sharing your wisdom with my viewers as well. Uh, we all really appreciate the valuable information that you shared with all of us today. Wishing you the best. And if I'm ever down there in 
uh, the South and in the Alabama area, or even just like close enough, I'm totally visiting. So you can bet that I'm going to be calling you uh, next time that I'm down there for sure. Thank you. You guys are the best. Thank you. Have, Have a great rest of your day. day. Thanks for watching, Thank everybody. You, I hope somebody watch. Oh, yeah. We got some viewers for sure. I'll, I'll call you.